Welcome to Still Dead from Chipperish Media. I'm researcher and vampire priest, Dr. Kelly Jones. And I'm free-range evil story expert, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we're here today to talk about Angel, Season 3, Episodes 9 and 10, Lullaby and Dad, both of which are Watchers. We couldn't take your soul, so let's raise the stakes. lullaby we pick up where we left off with quickening as Holtz traps angel in the lobby of the hyperion and tortures him for 200 years i slept for 200 years i dreamt of nothing but this moment blah 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 vengeance meanwhile out in the alley darla's labor continues for the third week and if you're waiting for the interminable final stages of pregnancy to be accurately portrayed in media well this is pretty close. <laughs> we flash back to get Holtz's experience of finding his wife and son dead, but his daughter Sarah still alive. He sings a lullaby to his daughter as he realizes Angelus and Darla turned her. As Wolfram and Hart try to figure out what's going on, Lila gets captured and brought into the Hyperion, where Angel uses the distraction to throw a grenade and get out of Holtz's grasp. Holtz tells Lila that Angelus is his and he'll kill anyone who comes for him. Lila's like, fine, whatever, I'll just nab these Niazian scrolls and get the hell out of Dodge. Meanwhile, out in the alley, Holtz's demon crew surrounds Darla as she labors in the car. Darla hops in the driver's seat, takes out the demons with the car, and speeds off into the night, just as Angel makes it out into the alley. Holtz meets up with Sajan, a little miffed that he left out the fact that Angel has a soul now. That changes the game. Angel finds Darla, who's scared that having the baby means she'll lose all this sudden love she's feeling with the baby's borrowed soul, and Angel takes her to Caritas to have the baby there. Darla's labor has slowed down, and everyone's worried that the baby is good and dying, or evil and dying. Everyone goes to Lauren's bedroom to figure out how to handle the miracle birth. Holtz comes into the bar, and Lauren tells him they're closed, but Holtz sings his lullaby as he leaves, and Lauren reads him. He tells everyone to get out as barrels fly down the stairs and explode. They break through the wall of Lauren's bedroom into the alley outside, where Darla stakes herself to allow the baby to be born. Angel picks up his son from the ground just as Holtz comes out into the alley, holding a crossbow. He allows Angel to leave, and when Sajan complains, Holt says, I swore that I would show no mercy, and I won't. Lullaby aired on November 19th, 2001. It was directed and written by Tim Minear. All right, so Dr. Jones, on the perfect happiness scale, completely randomly going from zero at stake this to six at lost your soul, what do you got? I put this at a five. All right. Uh, there are things in this episode that I love and things that frustrate me greatly, but it raises so many research questions that initially I gave it a four. Mm -hmm. And then when I reviewed my notes, my moments of perfect happiness were many and my stakes were few. So I raised the score to a five. <laughs> All right. I think that sounds like a very competent methodology. Um, for me, I just randomly gave it a five without thinking about it very much because I like it. This is actually a pretty good episode. Uh, while we're stuck in Darla's labor for what feels like forever, the flashbacks finally tell a narrative of their own that reflects upon the current narrative with Holtz's lullaby connecting his daughter to Angel son and hinting that Holtz's vengeance will reflect what Angelus did to him taking his children away it's pretty damn good yeah it was it was really good yeah I thought it was really great all right so what did you have for moments of perfect happiness in this episode okay so I organized my moments of perfect happiness from light to heavy 
mm-hmm. because this episode makes me laugh, but it also makes me cry. Yeah. And so I started with all the snark. And right. <laughs> Holtz is on his vengeance speech, you know, telling Angel, for 200 years I slept. Like, <laughs> I put Sleeping Beauty to shame, buddy. I am here to do this vengeance thing. And Angel's right. like, well, that would explain why you look so well rested. <laughs> oh, if I could sleep for 200 years? Right? Damn. I mean, and wake up in the future and think oh, of all that sure. new tech. And yeah. Oh, my God. The new technology. It would okay, be can so we do cool. this? I can Sashan come and get me? Because I don't know. It's a thing. Well, I think maybe we can get Dark Wesley to come get you. Ooh, I, th- I like that even better. Yeah. Let's Let's work with that storyline. <laughs> I like it. All right. So what else did you like? I like some of the snark, even though I feel terrible for Darla in this labor that yeah. like literally is going on for 200 Forever. years. Forever. But when Cordelia is like, look, women have been giving birth without ancient prophecies for years. Right. <laughs> That was pretty funny. And I was so glad that Darla punched Wesley and just knocked his ass out for him telling her how to breathe. Right. (laughs) It was great. It was great. Oh, my God. I know. Well, Wesley is a terrible mansplaining jackass. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love him so much, though. (laughs) But, Mama, I love him. I have terrible, terrible terrible taste in men i love wesley so everybody who's always like oh wesley's this 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 and this i hear you i get you i feel you fam but the whole thing is yes but see i still love him this is something i appreciate about the difference between us yes you are constant in your love for wesley yes nothing can shake it Mm -hmm. and mine is a temporary love (laughs) (laughs) because there are some episodes where i'm like Mmm, dark yeah. Wesley. And there are some mm-hmm. episodes where I'm like, Wesley, shut the hell up. I know. So and I, you're I, right to feel that way. <laughs> but I admire your constant, unbiting, unshakable love. I think it's great. I think, no, I think that's a bad thing, though, because in real life, when I've been, I don't know, married to terrible people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> terrible person the first one was fine um then i have always excused everything and like i love you and that's it and i'm not sure that it's a positive quality for me i think it's a positive quality in fiction okay it's a positive quality (laughs) in fiction but not in real life um i i gotta say one of my favorite moments throughout this entire episode though was the shock and horror in lila's office you you highlighted a niazian scroll (laughs) And I was like, oh, Kelly's going to lose her shit on that one. You know I put that in stake this. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck, Lila? What? What the hell? I loved it. I loved it. As soon as, like, first of all, I love his horror at yes. that. You know, like when somebody, you know, um, like, you know, people have problems when they take, like, the they turn down the pages of the book. They dog ear the pages of the book or mm-hmm. mark it up or whatever, you know. Um, but it's just, it's it's so great when this, you know, demony scholar, but he's like, you know, he's a bad guy, but he's still a scholar. You know, it's like, yeah. you highlighted a Niazian scroll, you know. Like, and, I loved his, his like, personal affront oh, yeah. at that. And, and she just smiles and she's like, in yellow. And I was in like, yellow. no, no, Lila, like, <laughs> Lila, it. come on. And all I could think was, Wesley is going to have a conniption fit. Oh, yeah. No, Wesley's going to lose his shit over that. And <laughs> I absolutely love like, it. That um, might drive him to want to kill Lila. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> I also love the moment when Gunn says, if you ask me, what we need is some Vaseline and a catcher's mitt. <laughs> I, think I love Gunn. At least Gunn knew he was out of his depth. He yeah, wasn't, no, you know, Gunn knew. Yeah, and I, I love Darla when she was like, okay, I promise I won't throw anyone out of the car. At least not while it's moving. <laughs> I was like, oh, honey. You can see the soul working on her already. already. I, know. <laughs> I know. I know. I feel so bad for her. But Aww. yeah. And then, of course, I loved Lila. Lila. How did we not love Lila? Lila just stole the show in this. She and did. Like, she shows up at the Hyperion. She gets captured. And she is completely unflappable. Yeah. You know, and Holtz is like, she's not even a vampire. And Lila's like, no, I'm an attorney. Like, do not <laughs> insult I'm worse me than a vampire. with this. And, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, look, if I had known you were torturing him, I wouldn't have interrupted. Please continue. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so great. And Stephanie Romanoff. I mean, I don't think we talk enough about the actress playing Lila, Stephanie mm-hmm. Romanoff, who is so incredible in this role from beginning I mean from the first time she showed up you know all that stuff with Lindsay everything in the first season like she has been incredible yeah and her her timing is great but she's not like she doesn't steal the scenes that she's in mm-hmm. you know like she doesn't bring this she's like a very generous actor she allows other people to have the scene but yeah. she takes those moments and just fucking kills it and i love her delivery i love the way she portrays this character she is unbelievable she's so good she is and she is you know she's evil lawyer 24 7 yeah and like even when she was explaining to holtz you know about angel she's like curse with a soul wacky sidekicks yada yada and i'm like (laughs) she was able to summarize that succinctly in an elevator speech form because absolutely she charges by the minute for her she clients is. like it was she great does. it was so great <laughs> no and, she's fantastic but i also got kind of tickled when angel first of all when he kicked the grenade up with his feet and caught it in his mm-hmm. mouth like that was badass and that was really cool that was really badass but mm-hmm. he told lila to duck before he set yeah. it off and i thought it was really interesting that like this is more than once now we have seen angel keeping lila alive Right. But more than once, though, he has also threatened to kill her. Right. Like, he's always like, I will kill you. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but but he doesn't really mean it. You can tell that deep down inside, she's human. And he's not going to allow her to be hurt. You know? But at the same time, he really wants to. Sure. Oh, yeah. And it is an internal conflict what? with an angel that kind of <laughs> runs in a low hum underneath everything else. Want to kill Lila? Can't kill her. She's human. Yeah. Want to kill Lila? Got to protect her anyway. I love that. I, I love too. that dynamic. And I just love how she keeps her cool. Like, even yeah. the grenade going off doesn't phase her. She's like, I all know. right, I've got a client meeting. I got to go. She's like, whatever. Just <laughs> whatever. another Tuesday for me. Right. right. And then when Holtz asked her about Darla, like, was Darla also in Sold? And she's like, nope, she's free range angel evil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think my favorite was the dynamic between her and the translator with the scroll yes. because mm-hmm. he's being vague and not answering her questions and she's just losing her patience. And finally, she looks at him and she's like, I have a gun. Exactly. <laughs> Get this shit done and tell me what I need to know. She is so great. And the thing is, like, antagonists are so much fun to write because they really only have one job. Block the protagonist. That's it. And that's all you need from them. Protagonists are a pain in the ass because you have to make them, like, 
vulnerable and you have to make them (laughs) somebody we can follow and somebody we can believe in even when they've got problems and then they've got to do all the stuff with the plot and everything but the antagonist you can have so much fun with an antagonist and I love that because Lila is the epitome of that we can make her as evil as we want Um, but they also make her incredibly consistent like for all of the characters that we have have these really inconsistent moments because the plot requires it at one point or another like Lila is consistently written from beginning to end I absolutely love that about her yeah me too I do love the consistency because she's always Lila right her loyalty is always to her like Mm -hmm. when Wolferman Hart benefits her then she's loyal to Wolferman Hart but we know that she would turn on Wolferman Hart in a Yeah, if it meant that it was the best thing for her. And I love this moment, you know, I'll just wait while Holtz kills Angel. (laughs) And maybe we can work together. Like, I love her being willing to work with whoever comes along, whatever happens, she will find a way to make it work. She's never committed to a plan. Mm -hmm. She's never committed to an ideology. It's just what is best for me in this moment. And that is what Lila does. And I love that about this character. I do too. So much. Um, but then after I got past like my delight with the snark and with Lila I got into the parts of this episode that just pull at my heart so like um, Holt singing the lullaby to his daughter while realizing she's been turned into a vampire Mm -hmm. just tears me to pieces and then Angel when Wesley's telling him to prepare for the worst like they all think this baby's gonna die Angel says, this whole thing has been a miracle, and you don't get just half a miracle, do you? And I just wanted to hug Angel. I know. Oh, God. It was just. Yeah, sometimes you do get half a miracle, Angel. Yeah, I know. Sometimes the universe, the powers that be, the senior partners, whatever the fuck it is, decide that they're just going to torment you. Yes. Um, Especially in this universe. Yes. And I felt so awful for Darla, you know, in labor, in a dirty alley in the rain knowing her baby is dying while someone's trying to kill her and and she's like once he's gone I won't be okay you know I don't know what I'll be and Mm -hmm. I just I really felt for her but the line that kills me in this episode is when she's in labor and they're still at the Hyperion and she has her hand on her stomach and she says my boy my darling boy and this time she's talking about the baby and it makes me cry every single time I know. And it just kills me. <laughs> I know. It's so hard. And Darla's sense of love with a borrowed soul, mm-hmm. I think, is really interesting to me. And, I mean, I I, it, I do love it. I should probably put this in stake this or maybe in research mode. But I don't know. Anyway, it's here. So I'm going to talk about yeah, it now. Um, I, I put it in but, research mode. But yeah, you go no, ahead here. I, I, I don't really buy... The idea that she's having these feelings because she has a soul inside her, but it's not hers. It's not her soul, you know. Um, She had a soul, you know, for a while before she was turned. Granted, you know, a much greater portion of her existence, she has not had a soul. So Mm -hmm. remembering that is probably a little, it's a little foggy for her. So we have that flashback with her, you know, before the master turned her, right? You know, where she was... She was just like Darla, even though she, you know, technically had a soul. She was dying. She didn't care. She's like, whatever the fuck, get away from me. You know, everybody. Um, she was still Darla. So even when she had a soul, it didn't really do that much for her, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so 
so but the soul that she has now shouldn't have i mean it's not hers it's just inside of her it's hitchhiking you know and it feels like a bit of a stretch to say that the soul that is inside of her is why she loves or why she feels for this baby you Mm -hmm. know um and her fear that she won't feel anything after the baby is born like i think feeling the vulnerability of motherly love after 400 years of feeling nothing might be unsettling um i think that she would kind of be like yeah let's get that no soul thing back you know because this is traumatizing you know Mm -hmm. and who wants that you know um and i like the idea of her sacrificing herself for the baby um but not because of the borrowed soul i mean vampire love is complicated and dark but it exists we have seen it yes we have textually acknowledged that that is a thing and i would rather have darla like make this choice not under the influence of a soul that isn't even hers Mm -hmm. but just this idea that motherhood itself is more powerful than a soul you know we've already made it clear that her body won't give birth and that the baby will die that this is the only way for the baby to survive and putting darla's sacrifice on the influence of a soul that is not even hers feels like a cheat for me in this moment. Yes. And I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, yeah, you worded that so much better than I did because there's always been a part of me that loves Darla sacrificing herself and yeah. there's always been a part of me that is bothered by it. And I think you mm-hmm. just explained exactly why. But I yeah. put all of my questions about that in research mode. <laughs> all right. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Yes. What else is delighting you in this episode? Okay. So Angel and Holtz. Mm-hmm. Like, I like when Angel is trying to talk to Holtz at the beginning when he's captured and, and being tortured, you know, and yeah. reminding Holtz, yes, we took your family away from you, but we could not take away your soul. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Holtz kind of stabs him or whatever. He's yeah. like, are you still concerned about my soul, Angelus, my vampire priest? Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, there are moments where Holtz is kind of hot. Like, no, I like Holtz. I like Holtz <laughs> a lot. I think he's a fantastic antagonist. I think he's really interesting. I think he's he does a great study on the role of vengeance yes. and how vengeance has this splashback effect that when you take vengeance, you invite darkness in and i mean there's of course this thing vampires can't come in unless they're invited yes darkness can't come in unless it's invited and when you go for vengeance the thing that is so nice about vengeance is that it feels like justice Mm -hmm. you know because somebody did something terrible and you're going to do something terrible back to them but it is not justice when you do something purely for the motivation of vengeance you know it always has splashback effects. It always brings darkness inside. And Holtz has already been corrupted by that darkness. And we see that in him, you know, throughout these episodes. And, you know, and no big spoilers, but, you know, through the run. I think if you, you looked at this and thought that Holtz was going to have a happy ending, you know, um, <laughs> then you were kind of fooling yourself. Um, but I think that what we have here is this kind of lovely meditation on the role of vengeance versus justice and what happens when vengeance becomes obsessive and it blocks out all the other light, you know, from the moment he went and found his family Mm -hmm. dead in that room, like there was nothing else. Holtz had gone dark and that was it for him. He was never coming back from that. Um, And so I find this really interesting in his relationship to, 
the vengeance as his God. Like he talks about God and he speaks in religious kind of terms, mm-hmm. but his God is vengeance. His God is darkness. Oh yeah. And that's it. You know, yeah. and I love all of that with Holtz. I do too. And you mm-hmm. talking about that correlation, like you have to invite a meta, uh, you yeah. have to invite a vampire in, you have to invite darkness in like woman, you are brilliant. That is fantastic. Oh, my God. And, like, for me, Holtz's reaction to finding out that Angel had a soul made him an even mm-hmm. better bad guy. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, Sajan is like, stop torturing yourself with moral mind games. But Holtz is like, no, this is so much better. Because right. now I can make Angel's soul suffer for all eternity. Because mm-hmm. Holtz really believes in hell. And he wants to send Angel's soul there. And I like how, like, his Faith is not shaken. He's not blaming yeah. God for the death of his family. You yeah. know, he even says to to his men, no, this isn't the devil's work, just a demon. Like he has, he's unshakable right. in that. And then when you take that and you couple it with this absolute acceptance of this darkness to, you know, mm-hmm. worship at the altar of vengeance, it makes him such a great villain. Yeah, no, he's fantastic. He's layered. He's complicated. He's interesting. He thinks he's, I don't even know. I don't even know if he thinks he's on the side of good. I don't think, I don't he, cares. think he cares. No, right. I don't think he cares. Which I love so much. Holtz is so interesting and layered and crunchy. And this is how you do villains, people. Oh, this is yeah. how they, how good villains are written. Absolutely. You know? And then yeah. that moment at the end when, you know, Holtz is walking out of that burning building and he's carrying a crossbow right as Angel's picking up the baby. Like the way that that was shot was so great, but the music oh, just, yeah. oh my God, it was one of the best scenes, I think, in the whole series. And then when Angel just walks by him and they have mm-hmm. this moment where they're making eye contact and this absolute tension and understanding passes between yeah. them. Like, and maybe for a second, we think Holtz is showing mercy, you know, and Sajan is no. so pissed. But mm-hmm. Holtz is like, I swore I would show no mercy and I won't. And like, you yeah. know, Angel has not faced any dangers for that baby yet. He has no idea what's coming. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, that's the thing. Like, Holtz had his children you know, taken away from him. He mm-hmm. had his family taken away from him. And this, like, I mean, it's one thing to find his wife and his baby murdered, but to sit there with his daughter who oh. has been turned, God. I mean, my God, that is, that is the cruelest thing. And it shows Angelus as a, you know, like a savant when it comes oh, to yeah. torture. Like, yes. my God, you know. And that's what I love about this episode. Like, out of this run of four episodes, you know, that we've had. We had um, Offspring and Quickening from last week, which were not good. We have Lullaby, which is good. And we have Dad, which we'll get to in a little bit, which is not good. Um, but this is the episode that that all the goodness that is in this, like, run of the story is all contained here. Mm-hmm. It is so incredible because we have these lines of loss, you know, and love between Holtz and Angelus, you know, or an angel that um, line up so perfectly, you know, that the way to truly torture Angel 
you know, like an angel who can love is to let him love his son right. and then take that son from him. Like that is better than shooting him with a crossbow. And of course, you know, Sajan just wants the angel out of the picture and wants the baby out of the picture for reasons that we will eventually, I'm sure, get to. <laughs> um, but it's such a wonderful, you know, parallel. And this is one of the things like where the flashbacks, I usually hate the flashbacks, but the flashbacks were actually, this is the way you do flashbacks. <laughs> this is how it works. This is how it's supposed to work. Because you have the story in the past, you have a narrative in the past that is reflecting on the narrative in the present. And we do have a full narrative for Holtz, you know, coming home, finding his family, then, of course, having to drag his daughter out to the sun, all of that stuff, you know. Um, and and all of that leading to his his having nothing left but that vengeance, mm-hmm. you know, because Angel took it all. Um, and it's so wonderful. And it's so like beautifully written and composed. I mean, this is Tim Minear. This episode was written by Tim Minear. Tim Minear is good, y'all. Yeah. He is legit, you know. And he is doing in this episode something that in the other three episodes of this four episode, you know, Darla's given birth arc, you know, mm-hmm. um, is the only one that actually does it right. And yeah. it's fantastic. Well, and what I love about that too is now Holtz has nothing left but vengeance. Yeah. And earlier, we could have said that Angel had nothing left but his desire for redemption. But now Angel has something more. So he has more to lose than Holtz. You know, and then and Holtz's whole life is now dedicated to taking that away from him. And it's so great. And it's so beautiful when he holds back. He has the crossbow Mm -hmm. and he doesn't shoot. And that is absolutely not an act of mercy. It's freaking beautiful yes i love it it is i think it's fantastic it's so it is great. so fantastic so there's one more thing that i love in this episode and it is this moment from fred mm-hmm. right and fred of course is in the background for all of this you know we're not going to focus on her very much but this is such an expression of who fred is where she's like that's the tragic beauty of a cosmic convergence i mean he just plays his own small part he comes here looking for angel and darla and in the process ends up finding angel's unborn child who as it turns out wasn't as evil as we all feared but was actually meant to be some sort of messianic figure but Holtz kills it before it's even born and his vengeance somehow triggers the end of the world or not it could go either way I mean have you thought of a name yet (laughs) (laughs) I love that whole realization with Fred as she's giving this you know she's like doing what we do right she's intellectualizing this whole thing Uh talking about it in these greater movements you know and then she's like oh wait this is your kid okay so uh names (laughs) you know um i love 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 that from fred and there's so much great stuff happening in the background with these characters because they're not the big focus it's really easy to skip over that stuff but this was such a great moment from her i loved it yeah it it was fantastic and i just i went back and rewound it and listened to her do it twice and i was like i I just love this woman it's so great it's so great she's so fantastic all right so what did you have to stake in this episode well first i was laughing myself silly about wolfram and hart's surveillance being down again yes oh my god (laughs) oh god wolfram and hart is the worst part of all these episodes i have to say (laughs) it's just cracking up about how much you were gonna love that um and then i was trying to decide i was getting annoyed with holtz like taking his sweet time and going on with the drama torture and the vengeance monologue but I guess it makes sense if he wants to also find Darla. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he wants, he wants, the thing is, he's always wanted Angelus to suffer. Right. You know, it's not enough to kill him. 
You want to make him suffer. And we had a similar scene, right? You know, here we have, you know, Angel, he's got the things around his neck, the people are holding him, you know, it is not dissimilar to the flashback that we had, I think, one or two episodes ago, right. you know, where right. he's got him in the barn, right? You know, um, and, and at that time, Holtz made the same choice, you know, keep tormenting him because I want him to see me kill Darla. The only thing that he kind of sort of maybe loves, right, right? Right. You know, so I mean, he's just kind of waiting because that's the best he can do, even though, you know, Angelus probably wouldn't care that much if he killed Darla. You know, he'd, he'd be sad for a little bit. Then he'd go and sire somebody else and move on with his life, you know, mm-hmm. um, because vampire, whatever. Um, but Holtz is doing that again. And in that time, getting this realization that Angel has a soul. Right. And that everything has changed, mm-hmm. you know. So I kind of like I buy Holtz, you know, not killing him immediately. Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of stalling for time. And I think that that really works. Um, but it, again, it is repetitive because we did play this scene out once before right you know and last time holtz got his ass kicked yeah all those people dead yeah. and darla you know escaped with angel yeah and know? i just kind of want people to learn from their lessons i mean right. last time you know he got hit with fire crossbows and this time he got hit with a grenade and i'm like come on holtz like change it up man but, yeah, learn, learn a lesson or two, yeah, right? Yeah, but the next thing I put in here from Holtz, I almost put in research mode, except yeah. it was a question that annoyed me, so I put it in stakes. Yeah. <laughs> so Angel says, there's no justice for the things I did to you. And Holtz mm-hmm. says, you didn't do them to me. And I yeah. was like, what? Like, I think <gasps> yeah. killing your whole family because you don't like somebody is doing something bad to them. And I was yes. very confused. Yeah, no, I was really confused by that, too. And I was like, did he mean that Angel with a soul, you know, isn't the same guy who did this to him or that Angel didn't do it to him? He did it to his family. But that is also doing it to him. Yeah, it was it was weird. Yeah, it was a weird moment. And I also don't think that Holtz would necessarily separate the two like Angel with a soul is just Angelus right. with a way to hurt him better. Yeah. You know, but, like there's no reason why he would put, uh-uh. but or the, would let him off the yeah, hook But the that. emphasis there, like if it was the soul thing, I think he would have said, you, you didn't, didn't do this, do to, this me. to me. But what he right. said was, he you didn't, didn't do, do them to me. me. And the emphasis mm-hmm. was on me. And I right. was like, uh, I, what? Yeah, that didn't make sense. No, it just didn't make sense. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then I had, um, of course, I put Lila with her big bad yellow highlighter <laughs> in stakeness. Because <laughs> oh, sacred scroll. There are lines, people. Right. There are lines. Mm-hmm. And evil yes. does not give you the right to highlight ancient prophecies. Like, we just don't do that. <laughs> but it's Lila. Of course, <laughs> of course she's she going did. to do that. Uh, oh, my God. She does not care. Lila does not no, care. She, it just, I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. But... I love, as much as I love Lauren and I love Karen yeah. Toss, I am getting sick and tired of the damn place being blown up because as soon as you see him getting it ready for the grand reopening, you know, right. you know what's going to happen. How many times do we have to destroy Caritas I mean, before Lauren? You right? realize that the powers that be are not into this, yeah. you know, conceit I mean, anymore. Have you thought about relocating? I mean, right. of all the gin joints and all the cities and all the world, you right. have to keep blowing up mine. I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> enough is enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he finally does get it after a little <laughs> while, but it has been a little painful to watch. Yeah. Definitely. And the people who work for Lauren really need to yeah. stop betraying him. 
I know. Because that's getting old. You can't trust anybody in I this mean, town. I mean, really. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but I think what annoyed me most is Wesley's traveling expertise now covering midwifery. Like, uh, I'll, oh I'll just tell you all about labor and delivery and the baby's heartbeat and active stages. Exactly. And what the hell? With no training in this. He's a freaking watcher, for Christ's right. sake. You know? And, I mean, why is it that whenever we need expertise, we just give it to Wesley? I mean, Cordy has actually been magically pregnant before. I mean, we couldn't give her this yeah. knowledge somehow. Like, maybe the way we magically gave Xander soldier knowledge after season two and Buffy after Halloween, <laughs> right? You know, and plus... Cordy is vision girl the powers could magically give her the knowledge we could have and then we would have something for Cordy to do aside from standing around being snarky all the time I mean good god why do we give this to Wesley yeah because why do we have a mansplaining labor to women yeah it was he has so no expertise awful yeah. but it just <laughs> I got so tickled because Darla in labor was a lot like me in labor Oh, yeah. Where mm-hmm. I was basically just going to throw everyone out of the car. But my, <laughs> my OBGYN was a man. And at one point, mm-hmm. like, he was trying to comfort me. And he patted my knee. And he was like, don't worry. This will all be fine. And to my family's mortification, I yelled at him, how the fuck do you know how many vaginas do you have and how many babies yes. have you pushed out of them? <laughs> and this was my reaction to this male doctor telling me, oh, you know, I completely understand basically that. to breathe. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah. Like, I don't know. It just bugged the crap yeah. out of me. Um, <laughs> and then when, you know, Holtz comes into the, uh, Holtz comes into Caritas and mm-hmm. Lauren gives him a flyer. And I'm like, Nobody thinks, hey, maybe this is Holtz. There's a dude looking for us. And then this dude shows up. Right. Like, what? And It's just Lauren. And Lauren is really focused on rebuilding his business. Like, I can understand that. But everybody else was in there, too. Yeah. yeah. What? And, you know, and then I was like, why did Holtz throw the bomb when he didn't see Angel or Darla? Like, did he get the skinny on the whole magical spell? And, hey, there's this one crack in the hallway. And if you aim it just right, you can chuck it in there. Right. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't I, I mean, I guess Sajan must have told him. I guess. You know, Sajan has all of this knowledge or whatever. I, but yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like, these are the people who work with Angel, and he just doesn't care. He's just going to hurt anybody he can hurt. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It just bugged me. Anytime logic gives way to... Whatever. I'm like, come on. Uh, it bugs me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So what did you have for research? Mode? Oh, my God. I have so many things. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the first one I'm calling after Sophie to Darla's choice. Right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and I do really believe that Angel is a show about choices. So yes. did this whole mm-hmm. thing, like the whole prophecy or the whole pregnancy, just really come down to Darla making the choice? To sacrifice mm-hmm. herself for the baby. Yeah. And it's always bothered me because in one view, it makes a woman seem worthless except as a mother. Right. No one mm-hmm. was concerned about Darla surviving the birth. Just the yeah. baby. Mm-hmm. And she feels like a footnote or a vessel. Like, not a person Angel is actually going to miss or mourn. And I understand that she yeah. doesn't have a soul or whatever, but... It still bothers me. But they have a history. There's a whole thing there. And now they're having a baby together. I mean, this is complicated. Right. And and like, he's not really trying to comfort her or, I don't know. It just, if the choice was hers, and like you said, you worded it perfectly, that she wasn't Mm -hmm. under the influence of a borrowed soul, then it makes that choice a lot stronger. 
And as a mother, I understand that because I would have done the same thing. But mm-hmm. I still can't figure out how to feel about it the way that it was written here. So I put all of it in research yeah. mode. Yeah, no. And I, I really think that the way that it was written is a big problem. Yeah. You know, because it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It shouldn't be the influence of the borrowed soul. It should be Darla's choice, even as a vampire, even without a soul. And the thing is, is that she really is as wonderful as it is to see Darla this season, as wonderful as she's been, you know, as fun as she's been. She really is just a delivery mechanism. Yeah. Like, and we do this. I'm going to talk about this a little bit in the next episode when we talk about Justine. That we have these women who just simply exist to deliver, you know, something to the plot, mm-hmm. to motivate the men or whatever. But, like, we have this opportunity to really deal with Darla as a character. And she makes this choice, this sacrifice. But it, it really is cheated. Yeah. You know? Yes. And I don't, I don't like that. And I think that we could have done this with much more nuance mm-hmm. with much more complexity yes. than we do it that she just you know she has a soul inside of her and even though it's not hers it's affecting her and it's it's just so incredibly cheap in it and and especially for Darla who has been so interesting mm-hmm. you know and did have her soul back for a short while when you know she was first brought back by Lindsay and Wolperman Hart right. and she was alive but she was dying but she had a soul then and she wasn't that different you know, so the fact that this is the baby's pure soul and yada, yada, it feels really cheap. And like, we're not allowing Darla to make this choice without a soul to complicate this idea of what is true evil and what is love for vampires and how all of that works. And I think that this is, and especially with the whole motherhood thing, mm-hmm. which has this whole saintly element to yes. it, like women are shamed for having sex, but if they get pregnant in marriage, then it's okay. And then, you know, because they're willing to sacrifice themselves for motherhood. I mean, that's a big problem. Yeah. But I think that if we had thought for a moment about the woman's experience mm-hmm. and about this from a woman's point of view, women who, by the way, are the only people who ever actually become mothers, right. you know, I mean, physically become mothers. There's there's yes. obviously, you know, gender fluidity, there's gender ranges there, there's a whole complication there. And I'm not saying that fatherhood is not also complicated, but there is a very specific kind of way that we expect mothers to be and mothers to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the idea that she does make this choice but i really really wish that they had kind of gone deeper into that space with her being a mother and a vampire which is something that nobody's ever been before so you know we could do something really interesting with this space and instead it's like oh well you have the soul of somebody else right you know so therefore and not only that but i mean i know he's just a baby but it's also a man (laughs) it's a boy baby right so that adds all of that element Mm -hmm. to it you know that 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 it matters you know he's he's a boy he matters but the woman doesn't yeah and i very much had wished that the baby had been a girl just for the narrative come on let's do something different here people let's do something yeah let's do something interesting yeah yeah so yeah i'm I'm disappointed by all that as well and i don't think we answer those questions either well or thoroughly i agree um and so my next question is um how the fuck do vampires work part one and two yeah (laughs) right (laughs) So, like, we get Holtz's daughter, Sarah. We see that she's Mm -hmm. been turned. But how was she turned so fast? Like, how long was she alone? Because 
It seemed mm-hmm. like there were just a few hours between Angelus and Darla leaving and Holt showing up. But she's already mm-hmm. reawakened and turned. And how does the vampire turning process work? Damn it. Because we've seen it like yeah. five different ways. And mm-hmm. if she's a vampire, why is she also still a sweet little girl playing with her doll instead of biting Holtz? Instead of trying to kill right? him or being uh, evil like or saying something? evil things to him. You know? And yeah. and then we have this, I mean, God, when he takes her out in the sunlight and sets her on fire, oh, like... We see how unshakable his faith is. We see his pain. I don't know how he did it. I don't know that I could. I wouldn't. I'd I'd be the mom with blood in my refrigerator and like whatever. But (laughs) she seemed to understand exactly what he was doing when he grabbed her, even when they were still in the house. So she had that vampire awareness, but she Mm -hmm. never tried to attack him. So how the hell do vampires work? (laughs) No, I don't know. I mean, and I'm not sure also, like, is it different with a child vampire? I mean, you know, like, because she wasn't knocked out. She wasn't dead and then risen, right? Or if she was dead and risen, she did it really, really quickly. Yeah. You know, maybe because she's a child, maybe it happens a lot faster. Maybe you don't need to, you know, to kill them. To the point where, I don't know, but they are dead. Yeah. So they do have to be killed. They do have to hit unconsciousness and then rise. Right. Um, She seems unaware of her status as a vampire until suddenly she is aware. And I think that, again, and, you know, I'm sorry, but she's a girl. Yeah. Right? Her existence is just about defining Holtz's experience as a man. And the, the women you know, are really fridged in a million different ways in this episode, you know, including Darla. Yes. They all exist and they live and they die simply to motivate the men. And I, it, it does bother me. While I love this whole thing with Holtz and I think that it's so incredibly powerful, we just don't treat women as people. Yes. You know, and it is, it's a problem. It is. And they could have done so much more here, but you know, and then we've, we've talked about this, you know, borrowed love, borrowed soul with Darla. Mm-hmm. And she reaches that point where she's like, I don't want to let this baby out because the world is a terrible yeah. place and she loves the baby now. And it's heartbreaking to see her think that she will lose the ability to love it. But I don't yeah. know that I buy that. You know, she's like, these right. aren't my feelings. They're the baby's feelings. And I'm like, I don't think so. Because we have canon that vampires can love. Yeah. So how do vampires mm-hmm. work, damn it? Like, <laughs> I don't think we get any clarity on that. Oh. And part of it is because we have all of these female characters that are used simply to motivate the men. Yeah. And that's how we're using them narratively. We're not treating them as people with experience. Right. You know? And I mean, yeah. It's just it's, so it's frustrating tough. to see a story that's good that could be great. Yeah, it is. It's really good. I mean, out of all of, and especially in the midst of this desert of four, like, you know, four episodes, one of which is good lullaby, and the rest of which are pretty much crap, you know, um, to have this one moment where things are actually done well, and yet we're still in this space where the women are treated so aside from Lila, mm-hmm. who's fantastic, right? You know, and allowed to be a full character, but of course she's evil. Um, but then so is Darla. I don't know. It's all complicated. Yeah. It's all weird. It's, a mess. it's all weird. 
you know. But anyway, that brings us one to brood on. Out of all of these Darla's Giving Birth episodes, Lullaby is the best of the bunch. Where we've been treading water, we finally get some narrative movement and end with the promise of true torment, the torment of losing that which you love most in the world. And it launches us into the backstretch of season three with purpose. Definitely well worth watching, both for the narrative and for the episode itself. And that moves us into Dad. In Dad, we see Angel in full mama bear mode as he dedicates himself to protecting his newborn son and refusing to let anyone else help. But too many forces are working against him. Holtz, Wolfram and Hart, some guy named Frank, and every vampire cult known and unknown to man. Every bad guy wants to steal, worship, dissect, or sell this baby. And so Angel <laughs> takes the kid and runs, leaving the team behind to fend for themselves as the Hyperion comes under attack. But wait, that was actually a total ruse with Angel tricking the bad guys into following him and then blowing them up with a decoy baby bomb. Meanwhile, Lila consults files and records to get the scoop on Holtz. Holtz consults the obituaries to find people who would be dedicated to his cause. And Cordy and team get the baby to the hospital for his newborn checkup. Angel still can't rest easy, but he's learning that he doesn't have to parent alone. Dad aired on December 10th, 2001. It was directed by Fred Keller and written by David H. Goodman. So, Dr. Jones, on the scale, the completely <laughs> random scale of perfect happiness, zero stake this, six to lost your soul, uh, where are you with Dad? So I gave this a three. Um, mm -hmm. Part of it is frustration, and part of it is because there are too many bad guys in one story. Oh, like, oh, there are some good things here, but overall, it makes me feel tense and impatient. And more than one cult is too many cults. Oh, my God. It's also stupid. I gave it a three, and I think that's being fairly yeah, generous. It's a to this generous episode. three. I, mean, I hate the vampire cultists. This whole episode is basically about getting rid of them and Holtz, you know, setting up like a new cult. But it doesn't really gel. We managed to reset into a new normal here. So after four episodes of Darla's in labor with the miracle vampire child, I mean, it's it's nice to clear out some of the ridiculousness and start fresh with the second half of the season. But this includes a bad misdirect that suddenly clears out a stupid story element that was poorly done from start to finish. And... Overall, I have to say, not my favorite episode. Yes. All right. So, Dr. Jones, moments of perfect happiness. What do you got? Okay. So, I posted this in Discord after I rewatched mm -hmm. this episode, but it still cracks me up because <laughs> I completely forgot that when Angel pretended to abandon the team and run off with the baby, it was a ruse. <laughs> so, I owe Angel an apology because I was yelling at him, like yelling at the TV. Angel, how could you leave the team behind? Why the hell are you driving that baby without a car seat? What are you thinking climbing down a cave wall with a baby? And I was just pissed. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. the baby was actually a bomb. So yes. I fell for it because apparently my memory is a whole lot worse than I thought it was. <laughs> but being caught off guard and surprised by a show I've seen several times was actually delightful, even though the story itself was right. a mess. <laughs> I'm glad that you enjoyed it because the reason you were surprised is because they lied to yes. you. <laughs> and I have this and stake this, so I will talk about that a little bit later. Excellent. Uh, but the next thing that delighted me was still Holtz. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I like when he told Sajan that Darla got off easy. 
um, Angel's mm-hmm. demise will be a great deal more painful. Oh, and, sure. And like, I mm-hmm. think Holtz might have missed his calling because I can kind of see yeah. Fifty Shades of Holtz. And I think, <laughs> <laughs> like, I think it could be a thing. Um, but I like that Holtz is not beholden to Sajan. You know, he makes and executes his own plan. Yeah. He poisons those minions. And I was all for yes. that because they were very annoying. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he stays dedicated to his own cause. So it, because he's such a strong character that, you know, he's a really strong villain. And so it's fun to watch. Yeah. He's much, much better than Sajan. I mean, Sajan, of course, obviously has a dog in the fight, although we don't quite know what yeah. it is yet. He just wants to make sure that, that Holtz shows this guy no mercy. And because he's not corporeal, he has to use somebody else in this dimension mm-hmm. in order to make all these things happen. So I like all of that with Sajan. But I mean, he pales by comparison to Holtz. I mean, Holtz has got a serious dog in this fight. He is dedicated to vengeance, you know. Um, there's so much darkness he's human with a soul and yet he really has gone over to this dark side which i think is really really fun um and i love holtz as an antagonist you know i like that he knows that he needs a team who believes in this mission Mm -hmm. you know um and when he is you know like getting justine and bringing her in you know you fight wild and you lack strategy your passion works against you and there's relationship like this relationship with justine has this kind of diy watch your slayer vibe <laughs> with it you yeah. know i kind of love that i did too i thought that relationship is really intriguing and the way that he recruited her shows that he understands people so i i yes. believed like both of their motivations um and there mm-hmm. was kind of a dark chemistry between them and i like that too I like it too. Justine's got problems. We'll talk about that in stages. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, it is, it is really kind of an interesting dynamic and I really like that. I like the fact that he's like, I don't want mercenaries. I want people who believe in the cause because the thing is, it's not about, you know, I want people who believe it's not about like this goodness of, I don't want anybody to die who doesn't believe in my cause. It's about, I want people to be willing to die right. for me. Right. You know, like it really has this darkness to it, which I really like. Yeah. Um, and then everything else that I liked from, this episode mm-hmm. is basically like random me stuff. too like, I, love, <laughs> I love lauren coming in and he's like no i'm living here now because you guys keep destroying my freaking yes! house you know? yes and i just wrote in my notes i was like lauren honey you can come stay with me anytime oh absolutely i got a room for you lauren <laughs> any day of the and you week. can play whatever music you want exactly mm-hmm. i love it I, I love wesley teasing angel about having sex or almost yeah. having sex with lila on his <laughs> desk i think that that's really sweet i love gwen yes. from files and records yes i'm files and records it's my job and she's not entirely unlike a librarian librarians are the best people in the universe maybe only second to actual real journalists who i will credit <laughs> with if we if we survive the current pending apocalypse it will be because of the journalists so i'm just gonna let that yes. sit there um she is literally an exposition fairy <laughs> you know she can deliver all of this background and funny enough she is Flo from the progressive yes <laughs> she is so great i just i love how yes. she keeps saying i'm thousand records it's my job it's my and, job and <laughs> when lila was like that whole thing is angel's file and she says, just the 35, uh, just the first 35 cabinets. And I was like, am I the only one who thinks that kind of research would be fun? Because it looks like fun to me. 
I think if you have to have a job at Wolferman Hart, that's the one you yeah. want. <laughs> you know, because it's just, it's all data. Yeah. You know, they've obviously magically, like, augmented her in some way that she can yeah. like, just roll her eyes and flip around and know everything. Plus, you have all of the information in the world. She's like good Janet and bad Janet all in one. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody recognize that from The Good Place? Um, but yeah, no, she's fantastic. I would love to have that job. Just saying. If they want to bring me over to the dark side, they can recruit me with the power from files and records. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. I also love Lila's Macbeth reference. Yes. Where she's like, Macduff was from his mother's womb, untimely ripped. You know, C-sections, man. Nature's prophetic loophole. <laughs> Which is why I wanted the baby to be a girl. No man born. I am no man. Yes. I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> I know. And great. I know. It's fantastic. She could have been the Eowyn yes. of, you know. Yes, that would have made me happy. <laughs> <laughs> I also love Gunn and Wesley bonding over pop culture. Yes. You know, where they're talking about which hero they yeah. are, which movie. And then I hate Cordy's nerd shaming. Me too. You know, I mean, love what you love, man. Never shame anyone for their enthusiasm. It's not okay. Knock it off. Plus, if you're borrowing courage from story. Or like yeah. story comes mm-hmm. to comfort you in these moments. Like yeah. that is a great thing. Yes. Yeah. I was really sad about no, the nerd shaming. Right. I, I was really sad about that too, but they didn't give Cordy anything good to do. They could have given her magical pregnancy understanding, <laughs> but no, we decided not to do that. <laughs> Whatever. I'm over it. Um, I love badass Wesley with the flamethrower when everybody comes in. He's like, why don't you go up and get him? Oh, wait, I have a better <laughs> idea. <laughs> he just throws the flamethrower on the guy. It is so fantastic. And, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I completely understand and sympathize with anybody who hates Wesley. There are good reasons to hate Wesley. He is absolutely, legitimately kind of a misogynistic pig. Um, but I, I love him. <laughs> I have terrible taste in men well, and I can't help baby, it. Baby, if you feel bad about that, just know I only love him when he's so dark and twisted that we ain't got to it yet. No, so, we ain't got to it yet, but it's going to be yeah. some good stuff. All right, no spoilers. Yeah, but, but oh, you talk damn. about questionable taste in men. I am your poster child, so don't worry. You're good. <laughs> I know. I love him so much, even when he's terrible. I love. I him. know. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Angel when he goes in and he threatens. Yes. When he's like, "You're his godfather now. Anything happens to him, it's going to happen to you." And one more thing: college funds start saving. I have my heart set on Notre Dame, <laughs> <laughs> and I was thrilled that Angel is already thinking about higher education. I love it. I know it's so good. Yeah, it was so good. And and I had I had some <laughs> random things too. Uh yeah. when they get back to the Hyperion and it's all a disaster and I was like, that guy mm-hmm. that Lila called for a full cleaning service is going to find his skin ripped off and stapled on inside out. <laughs> Cuz he did, did not, not exactly do his did job. Not. Although he did he did remove the bodies, which I guess is probably all that Lila cares about. I mean, leave the place a uh, bloody mess. Fine. Okay, good point. <laughs> I just got tickled by yeah. it. I was like, uh. right. I was like, what kind of cleanup guy doesn't, yeah. you know, do the Well, full maybe job, it's a lack you know? of definition of terms because when I heard uh, full maybe. cleaning service, I thought full cleaning service but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and then linwood actually had a line that i liked he said yeah. we could use some of those nice and scroll writers in contracts and negotiations oh sure <laughs> that kind of loophole yeah. of no woman born. yeah Absolutely. i thought that was great yeah. um mm-hmm. and then i had this very sweet melty moment that just yeah. made my heart go all warm and fuzzy because when angel mm-hmm. was singing to to um 
to the baby. Like that's the Irish lullaby that my grandmother sang to my mother and my mother sang to me and I sang to my son. And I was like, that's so sweet. (laughs) I know. I only, I only know it. I'm not Irish. I don't have any Irish in my entire history. So the only reason I know that song is because of that episode of Cheers. Oh, I don't know that episode (laughs) of Cheers. Oh, there's an episode of Cheers where everybody's singing the Irish lullaby and then, you know, to one of Carla's many, many, many babies. (laughs) No, the only song. And then as soon as the baby falls asleep, everybody cheers and makes a lot of noise on the phone. And wakes up. Oh, cries again. The only song I remember from Cheers is Kelly. It's Kelly, 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 Kelly. Kelly, (laughs) Because that's the only song I've ever heard with my name in it. Um, and I like the yeah. the musical ability of Lorne letting him hear the surveillance yeah. equipment. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. But Lorne mm-hmm. mostly stole my heart here when he was, you know, really giving Angel the advice he needed yeah. and telling him, look at the baby, like, be in mm-hmm. awe, look at him. He's more than a mission. And I just love Lorne. So much, you know, five man band or six or twelve man band, however many <laughs> man we got. Lauren is the heart, yeah. like he is the emotional connection. I love that. Yeah, but we also got some of that from Cordy, which I did like mm-hmm. when she, you yeah. know, Angel's refusing to let anybody even hold Connor, and she's like, "Okay, come with me." And she's just very calm, mm-hmm. and she takes him out in the sunlight, and she's like, "You need help." And she's mm-hmm. right, because nobody can be everything to one other person. And yeah. it takes a village, mm-hmm. man. So I yes, just, it does. I like that. And then I liked when we get to the ending, you know, with Angel joining mm-hmm. the team at the hospital and naming Connor and everyone working mm-hmm. together and Gun bringing the best stroller that a very small amount of money could oh, buy. <laughs> and the team walk out with the stroller was so great. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> So I did like that. It is really fun. But you'll notice I skipped mm-hmm. over almost everything else. <laughs> oh, God. I know. I know. Because it's such a it's such a freaking mess. So let's go ahead and just stake this. And I'm going to start this with the freaking bad misdirect, which was almost a good misdirect. It pissed me <laughs> off because they almost had it. You know, and we've talked about this before, but I'm just going to give a quick refresher. Um, a good misdirect is something that when you watch everything again, knowing full well, whatever, you know, everything that happens, it still makes sense. And here we're so close. I mean, everything works. Lauren's Slyly tucking the note in Angel's pocket, we see that moment, you know, from the perspective, like we're at a different angle and it's a lot more subtle, but you see that moment where he slides the note into Angel's, you know, pocket. It's so well done. It's so great. But then... We have Angel running off with the baby. He has the big fight with everybody in the lobby. And in that moment, you're like, all right, Angel's being an idiot. But he also has a newborn son. And nobody is that rational with a new baby. I mean, my God, you know, what you would do to protect that kid. You're not rational Mm -hmm. (laughs) when you've got a new, you know, child. And so I kind of got that. But then when he's in the car alone and he's talking to the baby, Like, that is a direct lie. I'm sorry, but if you've got a bomb (laughs) in the car with you, like, you're not going to talk to it. And nobody is there to see him talking to the baby. If it's a bomb, you you don't cuddle it against your chest. 
Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so this is what I'm talking about when I say do not lie to the audience. Yes. You know, if he had been quiet and had that kid in a car seat, I still would have believed that it was the baby. I yeah. still would have believed the whole thing. But you wouldn't have been lying to me if I'd gone back and watched it through. I'm like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. he's not interacting with this baby at all. And also, if you have a bomb, you carry it in a car seat. Like, you want to keep a baby safe, but you really, really want to keep, keep a bomb safe. You know, you know somewhat secure. <laughs> Right. But then we have that moment where he says it could be worse. At least you're not crying right before he tosses the baby, you know, to the vampire cult in the mine shaft. And I'm like, all right, now that one's fine because the the people like the vampire cultists are there. And so he's trying to fool them into thinking that it's a baby. Right. That's fine. But when he's in the car alone with a bomb yeah. and talking to it. No, yeah, no, that is a lie. That is a mislead. I don't like it. It makes this a bad misdirect and it could have been good. Yeah, it could have been good, but at least you remembered it happened because I forgot. Oh. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> but they lied to yes. you. You know, they did. They lied to you and they they misled you. And that's where it goes wrong. So writers out there, if you are studying, study that. Make sure that when you go back through, everything makes sense under both interpretations, because then that's how you do a good misdirect. Jesus Christ. That is excellent advice. I'm very disappointed. (laughs) Very disappointed in these people. Um, The other thing I have in stake this is, of course, Justine. Mm Um, and I mean, part of this, okay, this is a little spoilery. It's not super spoilery um, because Justine in this episode, it's fine, whatever. Um, but I am, I am going to be through the rest of the season constantly torn between loving and hating Justine. Yes. Um, I like that she's tough. I like that she can fight. I like that she has vulnerability. She lost her twin sister to a vampire and now she's out to get vengeance and all of this stuff. And that's great. She's built. She is built from the ground up to be a nice foil to mm-hmm. Holtz. But we don't do that, right? She is simply, she's built like a real character. She has everything she needs for it. But she's not written that way. She again is just another woman in this space to fill in the plot holes, you know, to like stick her finger in the dike, you know, for whatever. <laughs> Holt starts gushing water, you know, it isn't making any sense. She's a plot vending machine. Um, and she basically <laughs> exists to be an extension of Holt's. And it pisses me off because I think there's a lot of potential in that character. Okay, plot vending machine is now... Yes. <laughs> Okay, if I put in a dollar and I hit like A5, mm-hmm. I can get tormented yes. characters. Then you sidekick. get whatever you want. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. Sometimes you'll get sweet. Sometimes you'll get savory. Sometimes you'll get salty. It doesn't matter because she is just a plot vending machine. And again, with the women. Yeah. These women exist solely to motivate the men. They exist solely to like augment the male, you know, experience in these stories. And it's pissing me yes. off. You know, Cordy, Fred, Justine, Darla, Darla, Mm -hmm. they are all secondary to the men. Even Wesley, who is a background freaking character in this run of episodes, you know, and he's still the one who has all the magical knowledge of pregnancy, even though Cordy has actually experienced magical, mystical, demonic pregnancy. Like all of it just pisses me off. It drives me crazy. And Fred is an actual scientist. Right. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. 
The last thing that I hate and I really want to stake are these stupid freaking vampire cultists. I don't care. Oh, I've hated yes. these vampire cultists coming out after Darla from the beginning. Um, if that many people slash demons or whatever the hell they are know about this miracle baby, then the fact that Wolfram and Hart doesn't know. Yeah. That this is all a surprise to them. I mean, if there's that many people who know, it's already on the internet. <laughs> I mean, this was 1998. This was early internet. But I could still find X-Files spoilers on the internet at this point. If there was a miracle vampire baby, it would be on the goddamn internet. And everybody would be able to find it. And everybody knows about it. So this whole thing with the vampire cultists about, oh, the miracle birth, blah, 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 you know, whatever. It drives me crazy i hate all of it i'm glad we blow them to smithereens in this episode but it's still so freaking stupid oh yeah and i i get so frustrated and impatient Mm -hmm. because if you're gonna do a cult do it right and like this is ridiculous and it just drives me crazy and then we have like all these very smart people acting completely clueless about a newborn baby yes like you don't need childproof locks on day one you have time for that you know, yes. and I'm like, Angel, you're going to have to let someone else hold him eventually. And yes. babies cry. And a mm-hmm. one-day-old baby is not going to play with a stuffed animal or respond to it. Oh, uh, uh, yes. Like, it just, there was so much in here that drove me crazy. But that cast of thousands coming after this baby, it's yeah. just, like, enough. It was awful. No, it drove me crazy. I also hated this moment with Cordy mm-hmm. where she's like, you don't have a woman's touch, whatever your taste in clothing may indicate. So we have this one, two punch of straight white male patriarchy, yeah. right? You know, where it's like, oh, you have to have a woman's touch. Like a man can't possibly be gentle. Right. How would that work? Huh. Right. You know, and then the you look gay implications. And oh, yeah. Jesus. And here we have Cordy who could have had such a great role to play in all of this and we we sideline her to these snarky comments that are incredibly sexist and stupid you know and heteronormative it's just all of it annoys me me too and and with that too like you don't there's no such thing as a woman's touch because oh i don't know not all women are the same and giving birth does yeah not all women are gentle and somehow magically know how to deal with a baby like women are no more magically inclined to be able to deal with a child any more than a man is you learn it on the job you don't download the directions from the matrix when you give birth it doesn't work like that but and maybe i was a little cynical but i had a hard time believing that angel knew how to change a diaper because when in his life right like really Really? No, they teach you that at the hospital. When you have your first baby, the nurses walk you right. through that whole thing. And you know where Angel hasn't been? Hospital. A freaking hospital. He yeah. hasn't been around, you yeah. know, neonatal nurses. Right. You know, yeah. I was like, plus he's like, I know how to change proper ones with cloth and pens. And I'm like, really? Really? How? Well, I guess, okay, I guess when he was, I mean, he had a little sister. Yeah, but right? they all, I- I don't buy that. I do not buy Liam changing diapers. Well, also, it was 200 years ago. I can't remember a skill I learned five (laughs) years ago if I haven't brushed up on it. Yeah. I don't know. It threw me out of the story because I was like, really? Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's not good. And they also do this thing, too, that I absolutely hate. Like, every time I see a baby or a toddler crying on a TV show, I think, okay, that baby or toddler doesn't know that they're acting. Like, they made that child cry. 
for the purpose of this show. It always, always bothers me because like, yes, babies cry, toddlers cry. That happens naturally all the time. But when you're doing a TV show, you have a very specific timeline. Mm -hmm. You know, you have like a short period of time to get this response from this baby or this child. So you deliberately make that baby, you do whatever you need to do. You take away their, you know, pacifier or you take away their mom or you do something to freaking traumatize that child into crying when you need them oh to my cry. God. And it is, it always I feel me like crazy. you're telling me there's no Santa Claus because I truly, truly thought that they would wait until like the baby got grumpy and then film it that kind of thing like that's all always bothers me and if somebody is out there who has like worked on a professional tv or movie you know set and can tell me that it's different please do because i would love to hear that that's not the case but what experience i've had dealing with like i don't know businesses that have money you know on the line that's not really my experience so i don't know like i hope that I'm wrong, but I, but that's always the thought that I have. And if somebody can, you know, put my, my mind at ease by telling me I'm wrong, please, please do oh, yes, please. find me on Twitter at Lonnie Dan Rich. Please tell me because I don't think that's the case. It's really, really terrible. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to stake in this whole thing is Sajan. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he's uh, Sajan has got this. He's basically like a walking irony smash, you know, and yeah. he just, drives me crazy after a while he's like you know you keep throwing around words like death and pain and no mercy but so far i haven't seen bubkis and when he's talking about the grappler demons like i signed a two-week contract you know they're a union blah 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 or whatever um all of this stuff drives me crazy about sajan because you know what like i i get that there's kind of a fun thing in that contrast of ideas you know that this ancient demony guy has all this pop culture knowledge and the way that he speaks and all that kind of stuff it's kind of fun on a certain level but after a while i'm like all right i don't care like mm-hmm. what is his narrative purpose here we have this guy who is bent on vengeance against against angelus for whatever reason you know we don't know he's non-corporeal so we've taken away his power he's using halts to do whatever it is that he can't do you know and like that's what i'm interested in but we spend all this time just irony smashing the fuck out of this character i don't care yeah and you you know know what i just thought of he's not Mm -hmm. corporeal how did he throw that magic dust on holtz to wake him up i don't know oh my god more plot holes i don't know i don't know (laughs) it's all it uh, sajan is the least thought out thing in this whole run yeah yeah i would agree with that other than i don't care darla got pregnant in the first place but we've already staked that so Ah, it's a miracle child (laughs) it's in the scrolls blah blah blah. whatever fine you could do a little bit of that a little bit of that kind of like it's in the scrolls as a prophecy hand waving but after a while you have to start explaining some stuff you know it just doesn't make any sense um all right so that moves us into research mode Mm -hmm. um in which i had a couple of things i mean one of the things i was thinking about is this idea of holtz is a vampire hunter Uh versus Buffy as a vampire slayer, Mm. right? You know, is that, I mean, they're not that far apart as far as like the mission goes, you know? I mean, they're both about killing vampires, but Holtz's mission is about 
personal vengeance. I mean, at first he was a vampire hunter just because he was a vampire hunter, Mm -hmm. right? You know, so he was just out to kill vampires because vampires are bad. And apparently they didn't have a slayer in his part of England because there's one for the whole world world at any given time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that kind of, you know, uh, throws it down a little bit. Um, But his mission at this point is just about vengeance, specifically for Angelus and Darla, you know? And Buffy's mission is always about protection right like over in Buffy we even see like if if a vampire or a monster or a demon suddenly for some reason can't pose a threat no matter what they've done in the past no matter how many people they've killed no matter how many terrible things they've done no matter the fact whether they don't do or don't have a soul right um if if they're not going to hurt anybody anymore she doesn't slay them right she only kills you know things that that present an active threat Mm -hmm. And we're not about punishment over on Buffy. We're not about vengeance. We're not about justice. It's just about prevention. Right. You know, prevention of of murder and mayhem. So I find that kind of interesting, the idea of the vampire hunter. Like, how far away from Slayer is Holtz? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And it sounds like he got into it at first to protect mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. But then he got caught up. And like you said, he kind of invited in yeah. a little bit of this darkness because he was playing with Angelus and Darla. Mm-hmm. Like, you, yeah. you know, you start flirting with darkness and darkness is going to flirt right back. You look into the abyss and the abyss looks into That's you. That's right. Absolutely. And so, you yeah. know, then he brought them into his life, so to speak. And then, you know, they went after his whole family. And that is really, really interesting because where is that line and how do you cross over from one to the other and that mission, Mm -hmm. you know, deepen in the case of Buffy and get distorted in the case of Holtz? That's Mm -hmm. a great research question. No, it's really interesting. And I mean, I think that that line comes down to when Holtz turned to vengeance. Mm -hmm. You know, but he was dark before that because we saw all of these, you know, and all of the flashbacks that we got, like, we don't know which ones happened before they killed his family and after they killed his family. Oh, yeah. Good point. You know? Yeah. Like, because the thing is that, like, I think there's a significant difference if he's just a vampire hunter who's like killing vampires, but. He became obsessed with Angelus and Darla. All the flashbacks we've seen have been him obsessed with Angelus and Darla. And I think that Angelus and Darla killing his family must have happened really early on. Oh, that makes you a know, lot that more sense. You know, the only yeah. flashback that we've seen before that was when he was tricked. He went to the wrong place and that was when they killed his family. And that's the start of the story. But we don't have a real strong sense of that timeline. I'm sure there are probably year markers that we can go back and take a look and, you know, which year did all these things happen? You know, that all everything happened after they killed his family. You know, uh, all the stuff that we're seeing, like him, him torturing Angel waiting for Darla, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, you know, in the past. Um, but it is kind of interesting to see. And I think that the, oh God, and, and especially with Justine, yeah, it's such a great opportunity to talk about, you know, you look into the abyss and the abyss looks back into you, mm-hmm. you know, that there is this darkness that when you chase it will touch and infect right. you, you know, and at what point does that happen? At what point, you know, are we after vengeance and not justice? And what is justice if not vengeance and 
all of those, I mean, these are such interesting questions. We have so many places where we could ask them and we don't really, I think, get that far into it, especially not in the episodes, definitely not in the episodes we've had so far. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I do. And I, th- I think the difference may be, are you acting to ease your own anger or are you acting to protect someone else? Right. Because that's the difference between the vampire hunter and the slayer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That the Slayer is protective, mm-hmm. although a Slayer could go dark at any point, too. And we've, of course, seen that happen over on Buffy oh, with yeah. Faith. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's there's such interesting questions. And yet they're kind of tossed aside. I'm like, oh, my God, philosophically, we could have a really great right? time here. I know there's so it. much potential really for greatness here. So much. And yet we kind of let it go. Yeah. All right. So, Kelly, you going to brood for us on this one? I will. Um, All right. So. Why was this a watcher? <laughs> because there's a baby. Um, well, yeah, we finally get rid of reset. the cults. <laughs> yeah, we get rid of the vampire yeah. cultist bullshit. Yeah, yeah. but we're, we're kind of clearing the playing field back to Team Angel, Wolfram and Hart, and Holtz. And now Holtz has a wacky sidekick of his very own, and you need to know about her. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I think it's just more of like, okay, this arc is finally done. These are watchers. These four episodes are watchers. The lullaby is the only one that's actually yes. good, you know, in the run. But they're watchers because they set up this whole second half of the season. And you need to know what happened. Yes. In order to, like, have any concept of what's going on. And so, yeah, yeah. it's 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 a little disappointing to have so many of them be bad. But lullaby was yeah, good. Yeah, it was good. It was very good. Lullaby was good. <laughs> All right. So, Kelly, what is making you thirsty this so week? So there was only a teeny tiny glimmer of thirsty and that was Lauren singing mm-hmm. to the baby because <laughs> not Wesley throwing the flamethrower no I'll leave that one to you Wesley oh, Wesley's man. not he's not hitting my radar yet oh he's on my radar <laughs> <laughs> so you had Lauren singing to the baby I do and I really loved it when he kind of looked over at Angel and Cor- you know Connor wouldn't stop crying even with that great song yeah. and he's like I thought you said this kid had a soul <laughs> He doesn't like Smokey Robinson. What's what? up with that? What? But there is something about watching him sing to a baby and just yeah. that empathetic yeah. mode that he was in and all the wisdom that he brought with that that yeah, yeah. made my heart go pitter patter. Lauren's mm-hmm. Lauren's pretty good, I gotta yeah. say. All right, so what's your favorite part? That moment in Lullaby between Holtz and Angel yeah. right after Connor is born or not born or whatever. Not a woman <laughs> born. Right. Whatever. But just that deep tension and all of the unspoken words between them and Mm -hmm. it was just done so well it really really was no I like that a lot and that's actually a runner-up it was really tough for me to choose between that moment and the moment where Darla stakes herself to save the baby I mean it is my favorite moment in these two episodes because it is so powerful and even though there's so much potential that is not met in that moment because of the way that they built it up. I still love when she makes that choice. Oh yeah. You know, I love when she says, be sure to tell him that he's the only good thing that you and I ever did, you know? Um, and it was, you know, it would have been so much better, but it was really, really good. Oh yeah. And it's definitely one of the standout moments from the whole show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, it is. It's, It's a big moment for the whole thing. I love it.
All right, to join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie Dinerich and Kelly at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag still dead. For more in-depth discussion, visit the Chippers forums. Go to chippers.com, click on forum and join in the fun. Or you can support Chippers Media to the tune of a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat and Discord where you can hang out with me and Lonnie and all the Chipperish patrons who promise not to throw anyone out of the car, at least not while it's moving. <laughs> Visit <laughs> patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. You can also show your support for Still Dead by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a review. That's one of the most effective ways to show support for your favorite podcasts. Or you can use your social media platform of choice to tell your friends word of mouth is a powerful thing. And to say thanks to our rogue demon hunters who take the time to write five soul reviews, we turn to the prophecy scrolls which are not highlighted in any damn color (laughs) (laughs) i'm writing these in reverse chronological order so post your review and you will hear your prophecy soon for anna underscore mcg the powers that be have finally maxed out on vampire cults and (laughs) praise all the gods decided that enough is enough You have been called to get the word out and help eliminate any true believers who insist on hanging on to this very worn out (laughs) storyline. You have full access to Angel's weapon cabinet, Lila's secret closet, Wesley's books, and all of file and records, along with a two-hour technical consult from Fred. We are counting on you, dear one, to put a permanent end to this madness, and we wish you well. Oh, I think Anna would do well with that. Oh, yeah. I think she could totally handle it. (laughs) We are taking a break for the holidays, but we'll be back on January 8th with the 11th and 12th episodes of Season 3, Birthday, which is a watcher, and Provider, which is a skipper. Until then, if we'd known you were torturing him, we wouldn't have interrupted. Please continue. (laughs) 